Welcome everybody to another edition of Observations. Today we are going to continue uh, walking all the way through the comic book timeline and we are at the launch of Image Comics. Today we're talking about the launch of Image Comics with Youngblood number one April 15th 1992 is where we are going to plan it today. Uh, and 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 revisit uh, really a seminal day for me that that and 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 for comics and for Image Comics, uh, we could not have asked for a better launch to this brand new label, this movement, this opportunity that all of us banded together uh, to create. And 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 it takes us. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna go to a comic store signing at Golden Apple Comics where uh, there's helicopters. There's helicopters in the sky. Uh, one police helicopter and a couple of news helicopters because for whatever reason, there was nothing else going on in the world April 15th, 1992. So a signing for a brand new comic from a brand new comic company became all the rage that day uh, and 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 was, was covered on all the newscasts in Southern California, at least in my backyard. Pretty big, pretty big... Uh, you know, territory, uh, media territory. And, and so, so, uh, it was pretty funny. And, and I end up going on a talk show, a, a syndicated talk show by Dennis Miller, who was super hot coming off Saturday night live at the time and got his own late night talk show. And, uh, and, and, and so, so we are, uh, well, easy E from, from NWA, uh, uh, crashes the signing and 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 I get to meet Easy E and we get to hang out talking about comics and and there's more surprises to come but uh, this is an incredible day in my memory I, I just love uh, I love I love revisiting it and and it's I can't believe it's taken us this long to get here but here we are and so as Image Comics is uh, is is coming together uh, you know it, it, it we've been getting major heat. And, and major attention because what are these guys doing, right? And and, and it's easiest to just kind of, um, you know, we, we were the big uh, names at Marvel Comics. We've already established Tom McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee are the $3 million, $5 million, and $8 million men, each book bigger than the next. And no matter what was being attempted shortly after that, it didn't even catch on to a fraction of those sales. Again, not even a million sales were 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 achieved and and trust me marvel was trying they were absolutely trying to push that we, we talked about how we were the bubble on the balloon the pimple the bubble whatever you want to call it that that that, that, that the the business had expanded to the point where it looked like it was going to burst it looked like it was going to burst but suddenly this image comics movement increases all this awareness increases all this excitement and the fan press uh, was covering it like crazy. Retailers were talking. Fans were talking. The um, artwork for for Youngblood had been shown in the catalogs because again, that's how you get advanced uh, notice of what's coming out. And 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 the cover to Youngblood number one had been splattered uh, as the cover to all the catalogs, and and so people knew what was coming. And so we are um, experiencing a surge of interest. And like I said, the sales just keep going up and up and up initial sales of half a million to 750,000 to 800,000. And by the end of the day, we are over the million threshold. We just absolutely caught fire. And so I am going to do this, uh, signing at golden apple, golden apple comics was the state of the art, uh, comic book store in all of 
North America. There was no other store that looked anything like this store. It was clean, glass cases, really brightly lit. Right there on Melrose, Bill Leibowitz um, was just an outstanding showman, understood uh, how to, how to uh, launch a great store in the middle of Hollywood and draw everybody's attention towards it. And so this was the premier store in, in, in my area and I believe, again, in, in, in all of North America. And, you know, the stores in Orange County were darker. They were danker. They weren't as clean. They were nice little clubhouses. I loved going there. All I really wanted was my comics. You know, whenever I would show up, you just want your weekly fix, your whatever issues of X-Men or Spider-Man or Batman are coming out. But, you know, Bill Leibowitz took it to the next level. He had like a a showroom, a comic book showroom. So much, so much of the comic stores that I see now are following the lead that Bill Leibowitz, uh, rest in peace, Bill. He passed years years back. His uh, son and family continue to run uh, the, the current incarnation of the store. Golden Apple still exists. It's a great place. Uh, Ryan, what's up? Shout out to, to the Leibowitz clan. Golden Apple, I will always be uh, you know intertwined with them because this, this event that happened at their store uh, Bill is is kind of uh, responsible for so much of the hype that went down that day. I mean, the product was definitely uh, selling itself. Again, the sales were there, but Bill decided that he wanted to promote the signing. And so he had, um, in advance, talked to the LA Times about having a a writer come and, and, and cover me to, to, to have the story out the day uh, of the signing. And, and, and the... Uh, the uh, Writer's name was Beth Ann Cryer, and she was a sweetheart. She was from the LA Times, and she showed up in my offices in Fullerton. By this time, I had expanded my studio. I had taken um, a considerable space in a building that faced uh, college, Cal State Fullerton. You know, again, I'm, 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 I'm 23 years old, okay? And, 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 and I didn't go to college, and a lot of my friends are now wrapping up their college experiences. But having our offices across the... the, the the, the literally across the street, and they're still there. Uh, the building is still there across the street from Cal State Fullerton. This thriving energy of, of all these kids on campus, this youthful energy, right? And uh, it was exciting. We would always go to the, the, the school food court to grab food and walk across the campus because, again, we're young people. And I had a, probably about five, six employees at the time, uh, new pencilers. Marat had graduated from my assistant to full-fledged pencilers of another one of my titles featuring all my creations that was going to follow Youngblood called Brigade. We had a background guy, uh, a, a, an assistant who was taking over the chores that Marat did in terms of transferring the art from little itty-bitty drawings to blowing them up and, and, and making them, you know, big drawings that we could ink. Uh, so, so, so look, we had, we had a system going. And I was really happy. Uh, I had probably been in those that, that space for maybe six weeks before um, this writer from the LA Times comes out. And look, I've, I've been around the block, you guys. I have done a lot of different um, interviews with a lot of different journalists over the years. And you never know what the end game is going to be. You can give your best face, your best spin. Uh, you can push it as much as you possibly can. And then you will uh, inevitably... Uh, uh, have to live with what they decide their angle is in the paper. And I have never been more fortunate uh, than I was with Beth, who literally seemed to really, really enjoy the experience of hanging out at the studio, watching me draw pages, watching me draw Youngblood pages. I was still finishing up X-Force at the time, too, so both of them were on the, uh, on the, on the desk. But 
she really, um, I think, was somehow inspired by the energy of the 22-year-old version of me, 23-year-old version of me, who was uh, making this comic and stepping out on his own. And and one of the things that she continually cited, and you got to understand this, when we left Marvel, uh, my friends called me. I did not follow the financial papers, okay? I did not follow the Wall Street Journal or I didn't even know that there was a, a magazine called Barron's, okay? But it was another financial paper, okay? So so this is 1992 and, and, and two months prior when the news hit that we were leaving Marvel to form our own independent label. You guys, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Marvel stop stocks dropped. Their stock dropped $11 a share um, because... Marvel had become a publicly traded company almost a year prior to this, and the and the stock was really hot. People were really um, up on Marvel, uh, this up and coming entity with their toys and their cards and their comics. But suddenly, you know, the the the, the article in the Wall Street Journal and in Barron's Financial Magazine is like uh, big artists exit Marvel to start their own label and. You guys, I mean, again, here in the LA Times, Beth reports it. She says Marvel stock dropped plunging $11 a share on the news that the top Marvel cartoonist defected, okay? So so again, um that that is that is, you know, heat checked by the LA Times, okay? That is that is uh I I am reading from the LA Times that report and and so we had I think gotten a, a lot of attention that we didn't expect because now we were, you know, affecting the financial uh, you know, health of 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 a of a company that that was known to so many people nowhere near where Marvel is today, right? 1992, there is no Avengers Endgame. There is no, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home. There is no Deadpool movie. So so it's a different game. They were thriving in comics and toys and starting a car, the, 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 the animation division, which would give us the, the cartoons um, and, and the trading cards. But but so, so I think uh, it was out there that what we were doing was having real-world ramifications. So, you know, again... My friend drove me over this Barron's magazine. There we are on the cover, and it, and, and we're affecting the stock of this company. And, and if you don't think that Marvel was ridiculously upset at the time, you would be wrong. This was um, something that they, I don't even think they understood how to manage the news, given that the news was so poor in that regard. So we had all the eyeballs on us. And again, from half a million sales, which was no easy feat. Um, and again, anyone listening in, today's top books are selling in the hundred and fifty hundred and sixty thousand range okay that's a that's an exceptional seller for 2020 so in uh in 1992 you know half a million was top of the heap so now you're pushing it to 600 you're you're pushing it to 750 on the day of release well so beth hangs out with me all day and uh eventually crafts this story that appears april 15th 1992 i'm on the cover of the la times with a color photo of me that says, you know, inside color cover of the calendar section is this, uh, this, this cartoonist, Rob Liefeld. And so the calendar section is where all of the big movie entertainment news, um, would be plastered and where you'd get your interview with Tom Cruise or Steven Spielberg or Will Smith. And so I am the top of the, you know, calendar section. And the headline is drawing on the cool factor. After defecting from Marvel, superstar Rob Liefeld hopes Youngblood will strike a blow for cartoonist rights. And the entire story 
is the most glowing piece I had ever had written on myself at my very <laughs> young age of 23. So yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> the, the, the most glowing piece I'd ever had written on myself, um, you know, uh, six years out of high school. So, so yeah, uh, putting it in perspective there. So, um, she wisely, you know, states that I am part of this MTV generation, this youth that grew up on music videos and visuals and, uh, and that Youngblood was taking the industry by storm. And it says, uh, Rob Liefeld set a comic book sales record, uh, when he, uh, launched X-Force in 1991. And then it goes on to say that we were defecting in the $11 a share drop in Marvel stock. And then it said, you know, Youngblood will be able to purchase the, on April 15th. Uh, the sales are exceeding 750,000 copies. And it was the nation's top selling comic book for the month of February when the orders were handed in. And so I am writing this momentum to this awesome store signing at Golden Apple. And it, it, it says that you'll be able to go and visit Rob uh, which as he makes the Hollywood debut of his comic book at the Golden Apple chain on Melrose Avenue. And uh, says that, uh, you know, the, the, the comic is $2.50. Um, Golden Apple will be giving you a first day issue of, you know, issuance of certificate. And, uh, and, then, it, and then it just kind of goes off and it says, Rob Liefeld was the first to defect Marvel. He and others who followed say they did it because Marvel only paid them royalties on comic books sold and offered little creative control. Later on here, it will say that I have no gripe with Marvel because again, I have no gripe with Marvel. Marvel set me up for this incredible journey. Cable, Deadpool, Shatterstar, Domino, Strife, the MLF, all these characters that you guys loved and the favor that you gave them were um, a reflection you know, of my imagination and my creativity. And you guys showed up and you supported it to the point where, as I said, I, I, I deserved to push the envelope. I was young. I need to re un again, underscore. I was not married. I was not in a long-term relationship. I was, I did not have children to, um, you know, uh, uh, consider everyone else who had kids were really, um, I see it now differently now that upon having kids immediately, I understood how they were looking at it, which you can't look at it unless you have kids. And somebody like a Jim Valentino who had uh, four kids under his roof at the time was like, you know, he was gung-ho. He was ready to do it. But he was he, he was a little concerned that, that if it didn't work out, um, prospects at Marvel would be more difficult. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't covered it till now. When Todd and I had had uh, were talking about launching Image and, and all the juice that was coming from it, and he had finally kind of come around to being part of this, because like I said, Image Comics was a discussion with um, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, and myself. We obviously presented it to Todd as something he should join with us. He uh, had his his first love was his sports cards, and he was trying to get those NHL front row cards off off the ground. The NHL did not grant him that license. So that year that he was off Spider Man, with all the time in the world to be doing something creative, he put into that and tried to get that off the ground. That didn't happen. He then believed maybe that his follow up act to Spider Man should be Batman instead of some unknown. That also did not go through, and so now he is joining the crew. And the one thing that Todd said is, uh, <clears throat> you know, everybody's worried about like Marvel being mad at us, but uh, there'll always be work at DC. Like, okay, I'm blacklisted at Marvel, but I'll draw, I'll draw, I'll draw for DC. 
And you're like, no, no, DC turned you down. No, no, no. They turned down this amazing, huge deal that we were looking for, right? They wouldn't pay us, um, again, basically 10% of what I would earn on Youngblood. But, um, and, and, and we respected that decision. I, I think it was a poor decision. I think I've covered that, that I, I think that was a poor decision. But, but what he's saying is there's always, there's other comic companies. If, if, if we fall flat in our face, there's always going to be somebody uh, to let guys like us because we had all had successful books. Jim Valentino had had a very successful run reimagining and relaunching Guardians of the Galaxy and putting that at the top of the charts. So, but there was that concern that if we flame out, Marvel will punish us. And uh, so we, we just always laughed at, well, there'll always be DC or fill in the blank, fill in another, you know, fill in another comic book company. Um, but, but I understood now with kids you see those eyeballs, you see those faces. You're like, what am I doing? I'm leaving this extremely, you know, lucrative gig. My own father was like, I see how well you're doing, son. You're, you're, you're making this, this enormous, you're, 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 you're having this enormous success and making money that no one ever believed was possible at comics. And, and you're going to walk away from Marvel. And, and he, he, it was such loving concern. And I, again, I had my yellow legal pads that I've always told you guys I was rocking. And I said, look, dad, I really believe I can pull this off. And if I only sell 10% of what I'm doing on X-Force, because I'm getting all of it, I'll be doing exactly the same as what I'm doing on X-Force. So that's when this article mentions that, you know, we only made the royalties. Look, those royalties were amazing. If you don't think that I remember getting a million dollar check from Marvel Comics and going, oh my gosh, now that million dollar check, as we have covered, and I will underscore this because I will not diminish it. There are people like, oh, you know, are you trying to say that you, 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 your, your success is maybe a little different because you didn't ride Wolverine and Spider-Man? I am absolutely saying that. Let me be very clear. Cable does not exist without me. Deadpool does not exist without me. Domino does not exist without me. Shatterstar, Strife, all of these. Okay, guys, those are just the plain facts. They came from my head, the names, the concepts, the storylines, all of it. And um, I had to create my own toys in the sandbox because the other toys were taken. And so that, mu that, that sales surge, that passion that the fans gave me, you can't buy um, passion, okay? Let me, let me. So, so as I do this, we are a couple days into the Lakers 17th title. Yes, I'm back in basketball. It's relevant. Obviously, it went long this year. So here it is in the fall. I can talk about basketball. But the Lakers have secured their 17th title for this storied franchise. And uh, if you follow sports or follow basketball, you'll know that last year, Steve Ballmer, who is a multi-gabillionaire, uh, uh, much more money than the Bus family has, uh, put together, you know, went all in and, 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 and formed the Clippers, who were supposed to be the NBA champs. And, and, and you know, the ESPN uh, writers can run, but they can't hide. Everybody, they were the favorite to win the championship. The, the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George experiment. Um, with the traitorous uh, Jerry West, who once told Kobe not to be a Clipper, but somehow found it in his heart to be a general manager for the Clippers himself. Um, so they they didn't they didn't win. Okay, so they didn't win. And uh, a couple of uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, a bunch of videos were going up about the NBA season. And you'll see my point here. Steve Ballmer is openly mocked in all of these videos, um, acting like a crazy man. And Steve Ballmer is, as I said, a multi-billionaire. He's a tech billionaire. Uh, you know, bought the Clippers, uh, has money to spare, much more money than maybe the richest of all the NBA owners. But he is being mocked openly 
in memes and, and in, in, in different videos and skits on Twitter and Instagram. And he's openly being mocked and all his billions cannot stop the passion of those fans who want to mock them. He can't buy them off. He's certainly not going to buy Laker fans off. Passion of fans cannot be um, qualified. When they show up for you and they show up for you big, that that's something they did out of their earnest uh, passion, desire to show their love and their, express their their fondness for whatever it is they like, whether it is a music, a musician, an artist, a movie, whatever. So we had the passion behind us. And and you guys who, who were back with me in, in the early 90s and the late 80s, your passion propelled me. And, and, and we got Image Comics out of it. Again, a, a, another thing to underscore. Lifebelt was the first to defect. Remember, I am alone in the catalog because the guys with the kids, the guys with the families, the guys married are all going, well, what if Rob falls on his face? Let, let me assure you, had Youngblood had initial sales of only 100,000, uh, we are not a, an army of seven. Jim Lee does not come. Uh, probably doesn't bring Wills with him. I'm not sure Mark comes. Todd is a jump ball. I'm not sure that that would have been enough. But the fact that I got the sales that I got, once again, were egotistical, were competitive. Everybody thinks, well, I, can get, I can do better than that. Well, I can do better than that. Well, if he did that, I can do that. That's what drove all of us. Um, and, 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 and even one of the guys, I won't name him, but one of the guys uh, among, among the group, and, and you'll know by this that it's not myself or, or, or Todd or, or, or Jim, said, well, things are going to be different now. The pecking order that was established at Marvel won't be the pecking order once we're independent. You know, uh, you, you're only that way because Marvel set it up that way. And I remember going, are you insane? Like, again, I, I had to earn my way. I fought. Uh, what, what, I, what I covered last time, drawing comics is hard. Filling that comic book page from the top to the bottom. This morning I woke up before I did this podcast. I had to get, I have to do, I have to do two pages today. I had to do one page this morning. So I made sure that that page was done, scanned, and sent uh, before I did this podcast this morning. This this afternoon I will embark on my second page. I have a lot of work to do. I have to get it done. But the top of that page is always the hardest to start drawing. And then the, the satisfaction you get when you're at that lower right corner of that page. I, I draw... I draw, you know, sequential. If there's five panels on a page, I'm doing one, two, three, four, five. I don't draw five first. You know, that's how it goes. So, so I remember every panel, every drawing, every uh, page that I did to get to where I was because I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be, I wanted to be like John Byrne and Frank Miller and George Perez and Jim Starlin, the guys I idolized. I wanted to be special. I wanted to have a, I wanted to have a career that stood out. And so did Todd and so did Jim. All of us. So, so, so for one of us to say oh, it's going to be different, I, I scoffed at that. So did Todd. Um, it, it, it was interesting. Um, but anyway, so broke off, got young bud rolling. Uh, it says here, Liefeld uh, will only liken um, uh, his income to that of a doctor or a lawyer, um, and that cartoonists did not own the rights to the characters they created for Marvel. That's right. We got participation. We got participation in the creation of these characters. Like I said, I, I would I would equate it to. Uh, 5% of uh, across a lifetime. And again, I was taking a shot that if I did in fact create the next Wolverine, that my family would benefit uh, from that the rest of my life. And in fact, they have, as Cable and Deadpool and Domino and X-Force have been so ridiculously successful over the course of almost 30 years. We're coming up on 30 years in 2021 for Deadpool and X-Force and all of it. And then the next year, we're going to be 30 years of Image Comics and 30 years of this exact date I'm telling you now. So uh, we had obviously packed it with Malibu Comics and we were going to be going out and, and they were going to be distributing our, our label of Image Comics. 
And, uh, and this was a very exciting time for us. Um, Dave Olbers is quoted in this LA Times story saying, our interest with all these creators that we work for, that we work with, is for them to have as much creative control as possible. It makes all the sense in the world. And it did. And it was. And uh, it says, uh, until Image Comics imprint was created, Malibu, uh, based in Westlake, was uh, best known as a publisher of TV and nostalgia books. When the signing of Liefeld and others was announced, uh, Malibu went from 3% of the comic book market uh, to to almost 7% of the the comic book market. Um, And they said Marvel at this time has an estimated 50%. So, uh, you know, um, it says Liefeld, uh, working for a corporate giant like Marvel, accounted to be to uh, being asked to step into the creative process at point A and get off at point B. You take it to the next step, and then you take a hike. Uh, It says here, Liefeld says, I have no gripe with Marvel, while inking a sketch at his drawing board in his Extreme Studios offices that he has leased across from Cal State Florida. Um, It was a great deal. I got to work for them and create characters that I would be known for in the long run. But when you stop being hot in comics, the doorbell doesn't quite ring as often. But if you create a hot character, it can have a life of 100 years or more. That is 23-year-old Rob Liefeld. This is 53-year-old Rob Liefeld. Uh, we are saying the same thing, okay? It is the same concept. So now, Youngblood is coming. This uh, Terry Stewart, the president of Marvel Entertainment, issued a very kind and polite uh, uh, statement. says, Rob is a tremendously gifted artist and creator. We are appreciative of the contribution he has made to Marvel, the primary force driving Marvel will always be our characters who have been interpreted by thousands of writers and artists over seven decades. That's nice, Terry, but my characters had only been interpreted by me. Okay. So that's a great, the primary force will always be our characters, which come on, were created by Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, uh, Steve Ditko, John Buscema, you know, Herb Trimpey. So, so, so again, the, the, he's taking the corporate line and we're taking the creator line. And that is what separated us. And we were the gimmick. I've, I've covered this. We were the gimmick. Rob Liefeld was the gimmick, Jim Lee was the gimmick, and Todd was the gimmick, because there's no scratch and sniffs on our on our books. Um, you know, whether it's connecting a cover or getting a trading card or putting it in a poly bag like Spider-Man number one, uh, you know, uh, uh, with a silver, you know, a glossy silver logo. That that's those are just those are just printing techniques. We haven't gotten to the glow in the dark and the scratch and sniff yet, and the acetate covers and all that stuff. But we're close. But, 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 and, and, and the ones that did launch already hadn't hit the numbers that we had. Again, reinforcing this unique uh, aspect that, that Spawn is a piece of Todd McFarlane, Youngblood, and everything that came after Brigade, Bloodstrike, Prophet, Glory, Supreme, they are a piece, an extension of Rob Liefeld. And we are at our primes. We're very young. I'm the youngest. I'm 23. You know, Todd is seven years older than me. Jim is five years older than me. I think Eric is seven years older than me. Mark is 10, 12 years older than me. Valentino, older than that. So, I mean, all the guys were still in our 20s, uh, early 30s, uh, maybe maybe mid-30s, and, and, and for Valentino, early 40s at this time. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, it also speaks to my sister who had gone to a New York signing with me uh, prior, a couple weeks prior to this Golden Apple signing. And it, it was really in, insane. It was the first time uh, I, I had signed in New York City in a long time. And it was an eight-hour wait. And my sister is quoted in here saying, you know, we, we were in uh, the second floor of the hotel. The line went around the room, down the hall, down the escalator, outside, and wrapped around the front of the hotel. And uh, she estimates there were several thousand people in line through that day. And it was an eight-hour signing. And she is not wrong. We had to be... Um, 
We hours beforehand, we had to inform the fans that I had to make a flight and that so so about two o'clock, we informed everybody that at five o'clock I was leaving. And those people uh, stayed in line because they thought maybe things would move faster. I've always felt terrible over this, but it wasn't just me. It was me and, and four of my friends. We had been out there in New York and uh, they escorted me out with the police to a car uh, for my own protection because it was just so insane and the crowds were crazy. So I, again, passion, passion is what causes you to wait in those lines and to invest that interest of your time. And so <clears throat> we knew that, 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 that we had the juice. I, I had ash cans and ash can is a small, uh, mini comic, uh, you know, um, um, created a little preview copy the, the, the industry word for them is ash cans. And there are tons of very collectible and expensive ash cans over the history of time. And so there was a young blood ash can that I had put forth and, uh, and we had those at that show in New York. And so, so my sister had gotten her first taste of this craziness, but, um, you know, the, the, the long and the short of it is, uh, what, what is Youngblood? I'll tell you right now. Youngblood was um, my follow-up. I wasn't going to do mutants. I wasn't going to do rebel mutants like X-Force. These were uh, an extension of what I had seen happening in society via sports and entertainment. My obsession with MTV. MTV would be on at 9 a.m. in the morning uh, all through the day when I would draw. Uh, I just would listen. It's like listening to the radio, except occasionally you look up and there's pictures, right? And some of those moving pictures, remember Dave Fincher, came from music videos, okay? Um, uh, 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 Michael Gondry came from uh, uh, music videos. Michael Bay came from music videos. S some really talented uh, uh, directors. Uh, the guy who directed Highlander uh, directed the early Duran Duran, Rio, and Hungry Like the Wolf videos. I mean, there was some mastery behind these little uh, video clips, these three-minute mini-movies. And, uh, and they inspired a lot of how I approached my own pages. You know, how do you get the maximum amount of impact in, in a minimal amount of pages and panels? And so MTV and those videos were hugely, uh, uh, informative and they were hugely, um, uh, uh, it, it just influential on everything that I was doing. And, uh, and, and so I had seen musicians, you know, become corporate darlings and and more than anything uh the guy and i say this all the time one of the biggest inspirations for Youngblood was magic johnson so um growing up in southern california and watching the lakers draft magic johnson when i was 11 and having him uh win his first title when i was 12 in 1980 playing center no less for an injured kareem abdul jabbar i watched magic go from a premier athlete to the highest paid basketball player in the sport to then suddenly an owner of entertainment companies, and he bought a movie. He had a movie theater chain. He bought a Starbucks. He was becoming a mogul through playing basketball. And I thought it was the, 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 the favor that the Lakers got, especially those 80s, late 80s Lakers. You would go to those games and Prince would be sitting on the floor alongside Jack Nicholson and Julia Roberts. And, um, you know, uh, Van Halen. I mean, you're like the biggest stars in the world took the court to watch the Lakers. And what are athletes, if not the closest thing we have to superheroes? Uh, LeBron James, My Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, these guys are phenomenal physical specimens who can jump higher, run uh, run faster. The, the, the strength that somebody like a LeBron James, when you watch him back down as he goes to the post, is just phenomenal the, the the strength and the maintenance i mean lebron is gonna be 
what is it, 34, 35? And, and he's been doing this for 17, 18 years. And he still is a beast physically. These are exceptionally talented, gifted, um, you know, human beings. Now, you can go Gronk, Gronk in, in the NFL, sure. Um, and, and you know, it, it spreads out among all the sports, of course. Um, you know, uh, but, 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 but my obsession was the NBA, uh, uh, first, foremost, and always. That was my complete... Um, obsession. And, and, and so I just, um, I just was completely, uh, taken by magic's, uh, rise. Now this is before Michael Jordan would then become even bigger on the global stage with his Nike endorsements and his Gatorade and everything. And Michael would become just this, this ridiculously successful next level plateau. But that is after Mike magic Johnson has already kind of achieved all this. Michael then, as he did with everything, took it to the next level. He took it and made it even bigger. But I said, if there really were superheroes, they would have endorsement deals. They would be selling us uh, soft drinks, uh, watches, clothes. And and so I decided to make Youngblood a uh, government-created group of super soldiers that were monetized uh, through all of their endorsement deals. And the government, you know, controlled everything. And and this, this gave great... Opportunities to to show the humor behind it, the drama behind it, and the uh, and when one of them goes rogue and has to be taken down, as some youngblood members did over the course of time, you saw that the government had to clean up messes. And Chapel was our hothead. And so if 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 there was a Wolverine style character who would lose his temper and maybe hurt people, what would the government do to cover that up? So that this was the concept driving youngblood, a, a much more uh, investigating, you know, what's it like to be a superhero under the spotlight. And, and, and at the time, the closest thing I can come to that, that any, anybody did that, that it was anything like this was Dan Jurgens with his booster gold series, which, um, which, which de- depicted a character from the, I think the 30th century or, or just around their 28th, 29th century. And, and in the century, in, in his future world, he has created superpowers, uh, super, you know, a flying belt and, and gloves that shoot beams. He kind of manufactured himself kind of like a, a self-made Iron Man style, except without an armored suit, glamorous, handsome guy. And he got endorsements. So I took it. Uh, I, so I can't say I was the first to do this, but maybe on the biggest stage, I was exploiting this. And it was really where my interest was at in regards to my obsession of all things NBA, all things Magic Johnson. So um, that is what Youngblood was about, and, and I had a away team and a home team, and uh, and and <clears throat> you know we we just uh, that th- there was a team that operated within the country, and there was a team that operated outside the country, and uh, we just uh, we just wanted to um, you know I- 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 exploit uh, both teams, kind of like the CIA. There's a CIA division and an FBI division. The FBI division operated within you know the home. The homeland and the CIA division operated overseas. And so they are kind of like the superhero police, but with all these other, uh, you know, celebrity endorsement and, and uh, 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 you know, aspects to the team. So my book was a flip book. Now, when you get to own the book, you get to decide, well, there's going to be two stories to launch this book and two covers. And uh, one will have, you know, uh, the, the away team and one will have the home team. And that's how they were, you know, referred to shaft and Vogue and diehard were part of the home team and Sentinel and Brahma and riptide were part of the away team. So it was a split book, 30 some pages all by me, uh, written pencil linked and, uh, flip booked. And, and we were set ready, set 
to go. And, and we are about to have our big launch at Golden Apple. And to wrap up this um, LA Times, uh, this, this LA Times uh, article is, uh, they talked to Todd McFarlane. And it says, uh, you know, McFarlane, a, uh, 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 a fellow Marvel defector, uh, Todd McFarlane says, Rob's cool factor is really high. The cool factor is what gets the kids. They open the bick and go, oh, cool, man. And he used to say it like this. Oh, cool, man. Cool, man. Um, so I can even hear him saying that. The visuals in Rob's books will force you to stop and look at it for no other reason than the cool factor. And that is the gift that the fans gave me. Uh, my stuff found favor, and I was fortunate in that. And and so Todd is quoted in this as saying, you know, it, it, they took this and made this the headline, drawing on the cool factor. It says that Todd is joining the, the movement with Spawn and uh, that Spawn and Youngblood will eventually cross over, incorporate appearances with each other. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and Todd says the Youngblood characters are a lot like Rob himself. They're young, they're hip, they're in the public eye, they're trendsetters. Very complimentary. Thank you, Todd. That's very kind. Many, if I didn't thank you, you know, 30 some years ago, let me thank you now. Uh, the, uh, uh, my, my good friend, the writer, Beth, continues and, and says that um, as she is uh, watching me uh, ink a page, it says, uh, Liefeld continues inking a sketch. He makes it clear he's thought about trends, cool factors, and media mastery with regard to the Youngwood characters. Um, but his own success appears to have come more naturally. And if you have listened to Rob's observations, here it is again. Rob was introduced to comics at a young age, trips to the barbershop, and uh, he taught himself uh, to draw characters, learning how to draw in color, and uh, turned many homework assignments into possible comic book projects. Uh, took some art classes, life drawing at Fullerton College, and then got his assignment and his dream job at age 18, uh, drawing Hawk and Dove, and then later transforming the New Mutants into X-Force. Uh, uh, Golden Apple, uh, Bill Leibowitz is quoted as saying, I think Rob has developed almost an attitude about the way he portrays action and character development. He has struck a chord with fans. Um, so, uh, talks about the 501 commercial that had been playing, uh, since around X-Force 3. And, uh, I said, look, I'm not thinking about fame and fortune. I say this to Beth. I said, I'm just into comics. I just want to draw guys who can knock down buildings. And that is the lovely end of this article but the reason i'm spending so much time on this so la times front page of the la times calendar section so i'm getting ready to go to my afternoon signing i'm going to sign some young buds i'm going to do a store signing the new york experience i did not believe would be replicated here in los angeles but i get ready to go and i get a call that morning it's it's 9 30 it is a booker uh a talent booker from the dennis miller show and says, could you be on the show tonight? And I'm like, what? Like, they are literally, so April 15th, 1992, I am being called to ask to be on the Dennis Miller show. And I'm like, uh, okay, I, I think I can do that. Like, that sounds good. And they're like, yeah, we're going to give everybody in the audience a copy of Youngblood. And we have already called uh, Malibu Comics. They're going to give us a case of comics. And would you come on and talk with Dennis Miller? And I'm like, well, that, that'd be great. Now they go, we book the show. We're going to tape the show at around 4.30. So if you could be here and then we'll have you out by 5.30. And we understand your, your, your signing starts at like 6. So Bill Leibowitz was thrilled. He was excited. Uh, you know, 
when I told him, hey, Bill, is that okay? And he's like, sure, yeah, just come on by the store. And and, and the, the studio where they taped Dennis Miller isn't, isn't far away. But the, the book talent booker said, we saw your story in the LA Times today. And we would love to have you on. So so uh, I put on a nicer shirt than I would have uh, would have otherwise worn uh, back in 1991 and 92 and 93. Chambray shirts were all the rage. Kind of puffy, blue, worn out. Uh, you know, look like almost jean material shirts and I got a cool tie and I got my jeans and my nice shoes. And I said, okay, this'll, this'll be what I'll appear on the Dennis Miller show as. Okay. I go by, I say hi to Bill Leibowitz. He shows me uh, the signing and already there is 500 people at three o'clock in the afternoon uh, ready for the signing. And I am like, wow, this is a big deal. And uh, Bill's like, this is, this is going to be, I hope you're prepared. You're, you're going to be here all night. And uh, we have quite a crowd coming. And I'm like, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, you know, but but this is just the adrenaline is surging. So so I go, okay, well, I'll, I'll be back right after I tape the show. So I go to the studio and the Dennis Miller people meet me and they say, look, just come on out. You're going to be our first guest. And and here's where it gets a little, um, a little uncomfortable is in the green room. I walk into the green room and there is this ridiculously handsome actor that you all know uh who was portraying young indiana jones at the time and his name was sean patrick flannery and um i was a fan i was watching young indiana jones okay and sean patrick flannery is there i think with his yet leather jacket and his people and they are chewing out the people what do you mean what do you mean we're getting you know we're not going to be the first guest and i'm like oh man this is uncomfortable i am walking out the door i am um, Immediately kind of, I, I, my sister is with me at the time and I say, Sherry, let, let's just get out of here. This is tense. And, uh, you know, representations and, and representatives for their actors and their talent are, are going to always protect them. And apparently they were booked under the auspices that they would be the chief top guest. And now they're like, and I heard as I walked down the hall, they're like, who's this comic book guy anyway? And I'm like, oh crap. Um, but uh, so, so, so if you watch the show, I think it's on YouTube. I, I think the whole episode of me on the Dennis Miller show is on YouTube. And, and so Sean Patrick Flannery came out after me. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, uh, th- 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 this guy w- was not happy that, that this was happening. And yes, of course, I am a fan of the Boondock Saints. So no one would ever want to piss the Boondock Saints guy off. But when I got out to the, um, you know, I just, I just kind of stayed away from the green room and kept my distance. Cause I knew I was not, um, uh, wanted in there. And, and, and they gave me my, I just, I just stayed in my own little dressing room at the Dennis Miller show. And, uh, again, Dennis Miller, late night talk shows were a big deal. He was competing with Arsenio and in, in the tonight show and, uh, Letterman hadn't gone to the 11 PM, 1130 hour yet. So it was just, it was, uh, Arsenio and Dennis Miller. And, and there was, uh, you know, of course, of course the tonight show. And so, so I, uh, I, I am asked to go out and I go out and I sit down with Dennis Miller. We haven't had a pre-chat and he just hits me with all this comic book knowledge. You'll see if you ever watch it, he's dropping Yancey Street, which is the gang that, that, that uh, Ben Grimm as, uh, as, as, as the thing would tangle with in the Fantastic Four. He's dropping Silver Surfer's name, Norrin Rad. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you didn't think I knew my stuff. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, just just talking about the thing and Ben Grimm and the Fantastic Four and just we're talking comics and he is genuinely enthused. He loves comic books 
And uh, again, Dennis Miller has not yet become the, 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 the political Dennis Miller. He's the entertainment Dennis Miller. Again, Saturday Night Live was huge. This was a big spot. And at the end of the bit, we looked to the crowd and everybody had been given, and they're all a copy of Youngblood, and they're all reading it. And you guys, if you don't think this is a pinch me moment, I'm like, holy crap, this is happening. Like, Youngblood is out. I'm on a, 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 a nationwide talk show, um, late night talk show promoting a comic book. This is a dream come true. And, and I feel like I am breaking new ground and, and, and bursting through in a way that maybe would not be replicated for many, many years to come. And, and uh, I knew how special this was. This was a fulfillment of all my dreams. I can't believe they're holding the Youngblood comic book. Everybody's in the crowd. Dennis Miller is promoting it, saying go out and buy it. And uh, I think he, he says something about Ben Grimm was turned into a peach pit. Uh, so yeah, Dennis was really sweet and, uh, and kind and the segment was over and they raced me back to Golden Apple where now there is, looks like 2000 people. The, the line around the store goes up into a neighborhood. There's a behind Golden Apple, you're, you're into a, uh, you know, a, a, all these neighborhood homes and it went down. Uh, it looked like for nine, 10 blocks and I'm like, wow. So I'm going to strap in. I'm going to be here a while. Jim Valentino showed up. Eric Stevenson, current image um, publisher and image partner, uh, who would then become shortly after my uh, kind of executive editor. Uh, He's there. Um, You know, I'm signing. My my wife and her sisters come because they are my dear, dear friends, uh, different friends. It's a a giant party, and we are just signing um, Youngblood's uh, right and left and right and left. And then, like, it's, it's it's about dusk. It's April, so this is like, 7, 7.30, I've been signing for about an hour and a half, and suddenly <clears throat> I'm asked by Bill if I can take some time to meet somebody special, and I look up, and there is Easy e from NWA. Now, you're like, Lightfield, you're way too white to listen to that. No, my buddy Murat, um, Murat, who is, if you guys ever ask, his name is French, but he is Russian heritage. Um, we would blast hip-hop and rap all the time, 24-7, in the studio and NWA in Southern California, like the Lakers, uh, like other LA, um, bred acts like Van Halen, uh, those acts were extra near and dear to us because they were in our backyard. They were part of the Southern California, you know, mystique. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I just couldn't believe in there. There, there he is. There's easy. There's Eric. He's got his thick shades on. He's got his hat. He's got his heavy coat. And he's like, now, he has like a, a very Michael Jackson-y voice, which I was not expecting. I had seen interviews with him before on MTV, on Yo! MTV Raps, all that stuff. But he's like, hey, Rob, how you doing? And I'm like, hi, uh, wow. I'm like, you guys, I, I showed up for a comic book signing and I, and I got I got Easy e one of the most kick-ass uh, rap pioneers of all space and time. And 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 here's the deal, uh, a little, little bit of a segue. Um, the black community has always had tremendous support for me. And and I'm going to tell you, I believe that's why, because I have a tremendous love for everybody in the black community, whether it's my black friends I grew up with, the black cartoonists that I worked with, the black heroes that I idolized. Um, You can go all the way back to early in this observations. There is a diversity episode. Okay. 
And I bought Luke Cage, Power Man. I bought Black Lightning, Black Goliath. I love Black Panther. I loved black characters. And I'm going to tell you right now, and it's going to get me in trouble, but I actually said it to Will Smith's face one day. I said, a handsome black person is better looking than a handsome white person. And I guess little Robbie Liefeld always chased beauty. And I just think so much. Uh, I just always was enamored. And, and so I wasn't raised with race. We didn't see race in my household. We just saw people and we loved people. But whether it was Muhammad Ali, Magic Johnson, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mike Tyson, uh, look, Michael Jackson before everything got weird, Prince, Eddie Murphy. Um, the black community was responsible for so much entertainment in my life, so much enjoyment. I associated nothing but great memories. And again, I, I always wanted to draw really great black characters. I wanted to have great representation. And in my comics, yes, Bridge was introduced in X-Force as an equal counterpart. Somebody who's at the, at the beginning of X-Force number one is hunting down Cable. And, uh, and, and, and then in, in, uh, in Youngblood, I had Sentinel and Chapel. One, uh, both of them were super duper important characters. And you've got Sentinel taking three quarters of the cover to Youngblood number one, raging out at you. Now, Youngblood also was a, was a concept, this kind of Avengers type team, this government team that I've been developing since the mid eighties. Cause again, my, my, you know, MTV arrives like 1981, 1982 in my house. Okay. So the MTV fascination, again, before I was out of high school, it was all weekend long. You, you clicked on MTV when you came home and then all weekend long, all you did was watch videos. And of course, when I hired a cartoonist, I am just watching MTV all day long. And again, I, I feel like I have a diversified life. So I'm going to have a diversified portfolio in terms of characters. And, and so Sentinel is raging out at you and he's got the cool, you know, high top, flat top, um, Chapel is a badass. He's like a superstar on the team. So I am, you know, showing and reflecting diversity in my comics. And so I'm getting uh, an audience of the same. And it was not a surprise to me that I had so many in the black community supporting me because I, you know, had tremendous love for representation, characters. And this isn't about me being woke. That, 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 term, that term didn't exist in 1991. So get out of here with that. I'm telling you how I literally felt. I mean, right now in my house, we have multiple paintings of Magic Johnson and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Um, I, 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 I don't see race. I don't see color. I just see people and things I love and I like, and we just leave it at that. And so when I saw Eze, that was a really, really, really big deal to me that, that someone of that stature would, 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 would come on over. And so he says, Hey man, you got, you got, you got a minute. Can we talk? And I look at Bill Leibowitz and Bill's like, he's just thrilled. Oh my gosh, NWA, NWA is represented in Golden Apple that afternoon. Like he's like, go ahead, go ahead. So I um, tell everybody I'm taking a bit of a break and my friend John Beck is alongside me. John, I haven't seen you in years, but John owned a comic book store in, um, in Brea, California called Comic Mania. He actually was opening one in Fullerton at the time, Comic Mania. And John Beck had come up through a comic book store called Comic Castle and I briefly worked at a comic store. I br briefly worked at Comic Castle when I was juggling all sorts of different jobs. And uh, I had met John, and John was a young entrepreneur my age in his early 20s. And so he was up there at the comic store. He was up there at the Golden Apple with me, and we were hanging out, and we were, uh, um, and he, I, he was super enamored that Eze walked in the door. So he walks out with me. He, uh, you're not supposed to um, park on the curb uh, on Melrose in front of the Golden Apple store. No, there's no parking, but that didn't stop Eze from putting his um, 
white, looked to, to, looked to be brand new uh, BMW parked, convertible BMW parked on the curb right in front of the store. I mean, right in front of all the lines, all the people. And he didn't give a, a shit. And and Easy's like, yo, man, I want, I want, I want to do some comics with you. I want to, I want, I want to think about, uh, I want to talk about doing some comics with you. I said, Easy, I'm, I'm there. Let's do it. I'm, I'm all over it. Um, it's like, yeah, I got some ideas. We got, we got to get, we got to get together. And I want, I want to, I want to exchange digits and, and, and let, let, let's get this going. And I'm like, I, great, sounds good. He pops the trunk of his car and he goes, here, I'm going to give you some CDs. And if you can imagine, let me try and paint this word picture. So the trunk pops open. And as with so many of our trunks, maybe they're not the cleanest. Um, I know my, mine vacillate between, uh, in my late, later adult life, being very clean to in my youth, being very, very um, uh, uh, clut- cluttered, very cluttered. Well, there was two things that took up all the space in EZE's trunk. It was a sea of CDs with a sea of Uzis. Yes, machine guns. And uh, it, like machine guns laying on top of CDs, CDs laying on top of machine guns. And I am cracking up standing there at, at 7.15 p.m. April 15th. And my buddy John, we, we looked at each other and I, we did feel like a couple of white boys from Orange County at that moment. Like, whoa, not something you see down the freeway here. Um, but Easy kind of looked up and like, kind of kind of like laughed. I think he knew the shock value, and he kind of like like chuckled like, "Oh yeah, how you doing? How you doing? All right, let, let, let me see here. Let me see." And he, and he even said like, "You want want one?" And he's like, "Ah, I'm just kidding." And when he said "want one," he meant an Uzi, not a CD. But he gets a couple CDs. He's like, "Here, man. Here, man." He signs them, signs the plastic covers, and hands them to me, and then gives me his card and says, "Look, man, I dig your work. I dig your comics. I'm digging this young blood. Let, let let's talk about doing something." I said, "Easy. Let's do it. Let's talk." And that would begin a journey uh, whereupon which we would um, begin to formulate a team called The Hood. And Easy uh, would start calling me uh, early and often, uh, shortly after that signing. You have not lived until your receptionist says, um, uh, uh, Rob, there is an Easy E on line one for you. And he'd be like, yo, Rob, it's Eric. Because right after that, I was um, you know, told to call him Eric. Uh, things got more personal. And we started to develop this concept called The Hood. I uh, developed these four characters with Eric, and uh, I've se- I've shown sketches of the Hood. Um, they were superheroes from from Compton, uh, and 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 this was a book that we were ready to go and until Eric fell sick, and as you know, um, Eric uh, died uh, complications with AIDS uh, just just shortly thereafter, not 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 far after this. Uh, he was sick for a very long time. He was a sweet guy, and uh, whether it was Ice Cube, Dr. Dre. Um, EZE, we, 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 uh, loved NWA, loved the impact it had, loved meeting EZE. Uh, I did go to a, a sound, a recording session with him as well up in LA. I went up and hung out with him and, and that's where we would face to face develop some of this further. But, uh, it was just, again, this is all a product of a comic book signing. Like I woke up that morning to sign comics and I ended up on a talk show and now <laughs> EZE is hanging out with me at Golden Apple and saying he wants to jam with me and do comic books. So awesome. So uh, the rest of the night goes um, really well, and I, I would be um, I would be remiss because uh, this guy was such a sweetheart to me, and he was an actor whose dad had appeared on um, uh, on Mission Impossible, and you guys would know him the best from all of his different roles that he would play on um, Seinfeld. And, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, um, 
the the the, the I, I I believe his name is Dennis. Um, he, I pop up and 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 I, I I'm looking at him and 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 he's you know he's looking down at me too, and uh, and and I am just like cracking up like 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 the the the, the uh, you know the 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 personalities came out uh you know to uh no it's Greg Morrison I believe his name is Greg Morrison um and uh and and he showed up to see me too and tell me how much he loved comics like I didn't know all these actors and musicians loved you know comics as as much as they did but they did and uh and it was like hysterical that day whether it was the uh, easy E appearance or whether it was the, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> whether it was the, uh, um, y- y- you know, the, 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 the popping up on a freaking, you know, you know, talk show. Um, I, this is just stuff that I didn't think a comic book would carry me to. This was, I was genuinely, genuinely shocked by all of it's like that 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 place oh the places you'll go well I did not know that when I woke up that morning that I would be um, going to all of these uh, different different places and and um, you know it was it was ridiculously hysterical that that all of these different talented folks would be showing up expressing their love for comic books and uh, and and uh, you know, just the enthusiasm for Youngblood that, that would, you know, set the stage for everything that was to come. And, and, you know, I couldn't ask for a bigger, um, kind of, uh, launch to this comic book. And, 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 you know, the thing that cracks me up and that really I can, I can wind up with is, is that, uh, is, is that, uh, you know, Easter that year was a couple days later. So, so it was, um, it was a few days, uh, you know, later down, down, down the road, maybe that, that following Sunday was, uh, was, um, was Easter Sunday. And my, my wife and her family would always host Easter Sunday. We, we went to this, uh, big mega church and this mega church, uh, would ask that it's, um, different adult ministries would host their own Easter services at home, you know, uh, so that more people could get into the building and we had a giant building. And, uh, so, so it was, um, really, really funny to me that, that my wife and, and, and her family would host these giant, uh, the, 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 these giant services once a year in their, uh, backyard. Now they had a giant backyard. They were, they were, um, you know, it was, it, it, it was perfect for them to host so many people. Um, and, and so it's Sunday. I'm getting there with my friends. We're going to attend uh, my, my wife and her, uh, they're dear friends to me. I'm not, you know, completely, uh, I'm not, you know, um, uh, c- completely, you know, we're not dating yet, but we've known each other a while. I, I I'm super fond of, of joining her family. And, uh, and, uh, it, it, and, and so, so, so I am walking through the greeter. The greeter is one of the friends of my wife's family. And, uh, again, uh, I mentioned early on that there were helicopters over the course of the day. There is two news copters that, that carry the footage of this, of the signing that goes to well past midnight, uh, at golden apple. We went well past midnight that day. And, uh, and, and, and then there was a police helicopter, obviously for, for the crowd control that came overhead a couple times. And I went out to see it and you'd see the bright lights 
and down from the news copter and they're filming the footage. And, and again, that night, uh, I, you know, my friends had taped all of it. So I saw it the next day because I was at Golden Apple till well, pa well past midnight. But all of the different, I mean, Entertainment Tonight covered it. E! News uh, covered it on their, I mean, it was the lead story. It was the lead story on the local news on 4, 7, and 2. A big comic book signing causes a stir in downtown, you know, in, in Hollywood, in Los Angeles. Dude, they, they, they actually blocked off the traffic on Melrose because this signing was so, so hum tremendous and, and so, so big. And, uh, you know what? It was Phil Morris, Phil Morris, whose dad was in Mission Impossible. Um, uh, uh, Greg Morris, Phil Morris. And he was on, he would play the attorney, uh, on, on, on Seinfeld occasionally. He showed up super enthusiastic to see me. So I'm glad I said that right. Phil Morse, what a sweetheart. He came a little while after Easy E and I was just as um, thrilled to see him and hang out with him. But again, like, does everybody in music and television and movies, do they have this secret comic book, you know, uh, hobby that they've been keeping themselves? But, but that's how things were. And that's what, you know, people that showed up that night. So getting back to the Easter service, I'm walking through, uh, you know, 10 a.m., Easter Sunday, a few days after the big signing, and the greeter goes, wow, lucky there was nothing going on in the world that day. Like, I mean, they celebrated a comic book, and it was cynical. It was a middle-aged man kind of putting me in my place, and he was right, and I laughed. I said, I know, go figure, right? I mean, when I say nothing was happening on April 15th, 1992. I mean it. I mean, Youngblood grabbed the headlines. This LA Times, this sweet story by Miss Beth. Uh, she was so sweet, did a tremendous write-up. I had no idea when I was hanging out with her that she would be so enthusiastic about everything we were, we were doing. But young, when Youngblood was launched with Vin, Jim Valentino there with me in Golden Apple, he's like, wow, wow. And and here's the deal. Here's what, here's the uh, the echo of, of that signing, okay? Suddenly, Jim Lee was leaving X-Men a lot faster and Wills and Jim Valentino and Mark Silvestri, everybody was jamming their books into the end of that summer because now you saw, holy moly, Image Comics was onto something. Um, by the end of the day, Dave Olbrich, who had come to visit me in Golden Apple, had called me to say, Rob, we're going back to press. We have to go back to press on Youngblood. There's such a demand. We have to go, we have sold out. We have orders over a million, and we are going to meet that demand with an over uh, with with a second print with a gold trim, and those are out there, and that's fun. It's tremendously exciting to think and and to, and to walk through these um these times with you guys, and uh, and that day I woke up, didn't know I'd be on a talk show, didn't know I'd be pissing off young Indiana Jones, didn't know that Easy E would be showing up to hang out with me, and that we would talk about and start and going down the going down the path of creating a comic book together, and. Uh, and you know what? Honestly, people always tell me, why don't you do that? You know what? I, I'm gonna, I am gonna pursue doing the hood. Uh, I will contact uh, Easy es family and see about doing that because as I'm speaking it into existence right now, uh, again, the sketches have been out there. They're in a couple of my sketchbooks that I printed actually in the last 15 years. I've, I've shown some of the stuff. Um, that just seems like a really good time to do this. But uh, what a tremendous day. The fans showed up, signed through midnight, the book went back to press. We sold out of a million copies. We were the top book of the month. As, again, based on orders from the distributor, we were the number one book and we sold out. We blew out. A New Age was, was born on April 15th, 1992. We were off and ready to run and suddenly Wildcats was going to come out a little sooner and Shadowhawk was going to come out a little sooner because Jim Valentino was like, wow, this is something. This is something to behold. Todd was coming out a few months later 
he would also have a signing at Golden Apple. Jim Lee would have a signing at Golden Apple. That was a really fun part of that entire year, stretching from spring all the way through the fall. I believe Jim Valentino had a signing there. Um, none of them, I, I feel like, were, were, were of this caliber, the, 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 the Easy e the, 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 the Hawk Show. Um, but it really did go to underscore that the brand was us. You had never experienced a Youngblood comic in the same way that two years prior you had never experienced a Cable comic. You had never experienced a Deadpool uh, character comic. Um, those, those, those characters didn't exist. And now, here we come. And what's a Youngblood? It's, 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 just, it's just a product of Rob Liefeld's, Rob Liefeld's imagination. And, and, and so without me, I, I feel like without me or my blessing, Youngblood is never really kind of um, going to be as embraced just like if, if if Todd McFarlane was suddenly severed from Spawn, I would not be as interested. When Jim Lee is not involved with Wildcats, I'm not as interested, okay? Um, we are intrinsically tied to these characters. They are in your memory and in my memory and in history. They are logged as our our reflection of our, our, our talents, our creations, our personalities. You know, there's a history of the history of comic books. It came out, I'll, I'll, I'll put that in the news and notes. It's, it's just out of reach here. It's a giant coffee table book. And on the on the cover of that book is Punisher number one, Amazing Spider-Man number one, Wolverine number one, Hulk number one, Fantastic Four, Superman, Batman. It gives all these, the history of comic book. It has some underground comics. Uh, and there's Youngblood right there, boom, in the center of the page. And I go, man, this is part of history, the history of comic books. Image Comics was launched April 15th, 1992, Youngblood at the most spectacular signing I could ever imagine. It was a crazy day of great fun, and I loved reliving it with you today. Things are about to change, and they're about to change big. The pendulum is shifting and swinging, and myself and Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and Eric Larson and Mark Silvestri and Will Sportaccio and Jim Valentino are very much at the helm of all of the shifts that are about to come. So stay with me. This is the journey we're going through. Thank you for hanging with me. As always, talk to me online. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld with the blue check. That's the real me, not the imposters. Look for the blue check. Robert Liefeld, my full name. I didn't get Rob Liefeld. That's being squatted on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm at Rob Liefeld. I got the Rob Liefeld moniker. That's got a blue check too. That's really me. Facebook, I'm there. I'm on, I'm, I'm on social media. I love talking to you guys. Thank you for sharing your passion for the show with me. Spread the love. Um, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about it. Until we speak again, please take care of yourselves. Stay safe. And for sure, we will talk again real soon. 